Welcome to Fuel for Life. This is Dan. In a moment, I'm going to share a message I preached last year that was titled, Standing Against All Odds. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians that after you've done everything, to stand. And God told Moses to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we have to stand still. Sometimes we have to stand until. Before we get into the, that message, I want to share some ways that you can connect with us. If you haven't already done so, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Revival Now Dan Steep. You can also find us on the web at RevivalNow.com. We'd appreciate everybody subscribing and liking us on, on YouTube and following and liking us on Facebook. That helps us to get the message out. And uh, share our stuff. Share this podcast. We release an, a, a new one every Tuesday morning. I pray that this message encourages you to stand for the things in your life that are worth standing for. Remember, God's not mad. He loves you. And so do I. on this maiden voyage to be an encouragement. I want to be an encouragement to the body of Christ. And I want to be an encouragement to anyone who is watching the show today that, if, if, that does not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to encourage you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, and there's never a better time to come to Jesus Christ than today. There's never been a greater time to be a Christian than today. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, uh, you'd have to have your head in the sand if you're not aware that there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on this year with uh, coronavirus, with the elections here in the U.S., um, just the challenges that the body of Christ has faced and is experiencing in these unprecedented times. Is, uh, is pretty out there. If you would have just told me at the end of 2019 what was coming in 2020, uh, my jaw would have dropped to the ground. It's interesting because God spoke to me about 2020, and he gave me a specific word around unity in the body of Christ. Here at Revival Now, we've referred to it as a unity of affection. Because what is the one thing that will keep you um, united and pulled together other than love. You've got to have a, a unity of affection, a unity of brotherhood that will sustain you through challenging conversations, through challenging times. And so we'll be talking more about that as we move forward. Um, I just want to say we love you here at Revival Now. Welcome as you're hopping on. You can interact with us on, our, on the various platforms, and we'll be able to see uh, what's going on uh, and that way as well. So I'd like to talk to you about a, a few passages of Scripture that, that I found a great amount of comfort in. Uh, the first one comes from 1 Kings chapter 18. In 1 Kings chapter 18, it's really the story, uh, I would say, of the Spirit of God versus the false prophets or the spirit of this age. 
It's the story of Elijah and the false prophets. And, and it's, a, it's, it's an amazing story. I won't read, I'm not going to read through this entire chapter really, but really what was going on is Jezebel had massacred the prophets of the Lord. Uh, King Ahab was seeking an audience with Elijah, the great prophet. Uh, there, were, there was coming in this story a great showdown between, as the scripture says, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. One prophet of God, one voice of God, one, um, one voice from the Spirit of the Lord in the face of, what's that, 850 false prophets. That's really a prophetic picture of what's taken place in our country and in our world. The spirit of this, this age is the, the prince of the airwaves. The Bible calls the devil the prince of, of the air, right? The spirit of this age is so prevalent through the mainstream media, through social media, through the propaganda that's been going on that continues uh, to, to be perpetrated. It's, it's just a flood of information coming uh, from false prophets. And in the face of that, there are seemingly few. It, it's probably along the same type of ratio as we see here between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. One man standing up and speaking the voice of the Lord versus 850 false prophets prophesying out of the spirit of this age. And so that's the setting. And here's what's also a great parallel between this story and where we are today, because this one prophet of God, this one voice of God versus the 850 false prophets is spoken of by the king as this, a troubler of Israel. We're truly living in some upside down times right now where evil is called good and good is called evil. And so when King Ahab, the scripture says, saw Elijah, he said to them, he said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? I wonder how many people today are feeling that same way. When you speak up against the corruption that is happening, when you speak up against fraudulent voting, when you speak up on behalf of life and, and in defense uh, of, of the innocent being slaughtered every day in our nation through the hideousness of abortion, there is this flood of opposition. In fact, if you speak up on social media, there's like the social media mob that's there to, to point at you, to call you out. It's interesting. Every time that you really speak up for God, it's like you become attacked. What you do for a living, um, what you believe in, uh, 
what kind of parent you are. I've had all those kinds of things uh, spoken against me as if somehow hurting my feelings is going to change my mind about what God is speaking to and through the church today. I'm so thankful that when coronavirus uh, spread across the world, really, and these unconstitutional lockdowns were being, these mandates were being put out, I thank God for the pastors in this nation that stood up for the freedom of religion, that stood up for our constitutional rights, that, that would not bow down to the false prophets, and would not bow down to the pressure. In fact, it wasn't because these mandates that were being put out were, they weren't law. They weren't passed through a legislative process. They were just mandates. And and so what happened is the few people that would stand up for the supreme law of the land, which is the Constitution, were then being branded as unloving and uncaring and irresponsible and not listening to the scientific experts. And I think that uh, we've, we've all learned over the course of 2020 that the experts are bought and paid for so many times. And there are many other experts that have a, a contrary opinion, an opposing opinion, but when they speak up, when they speak uh, what they know from their experience and their knowledge base, they're marginalized. And, and they're, 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 um, they're, they're marginalized and, and told that, you know, you can't listen to those people. They're, they're not real scientists or, or they're conspiracy theorists and all those kinds of things. So I'm trying to paint this picture that we're living in today where there's this wave us of false prophets, people prophesying out of the spirit of this age, and there's a very minority voice that is standing up for righteousness, for truth, for, uh, in, in the case of our elections, for integrity in our elections, because if you don't have an honest, fair election, you really don't have a, a, an honest, fair republic. And if that's the case, then really we're living under the illusion of freedom, but not freedom at all. And again, the lockdowns and the mandates that were going out and even continuing now is a response to the coronavirus as, as people are trying to capitalize on this, this virus that's sweeping across the world and then there are those opportunists, opportunists that are using the situation to try to strip more and more freedoms away from the church and away from American citizens. And it's critically important that we stand for the, not only the truth of God's word, but that we stand for righteousness and that we stand for freedom. Because I have friends in other parts of the world that don't have the benefit of the constitutional rights that we enjoy here in America. And they're just shut down. And there's not much, much that they can really do about it 
in terms of in this world, what the options and what the maneuvering uh, capability really is. And it's sad. But what's even more sad than that is we have people in America that have freedom and are willing to give it away. People that have freedom and are willing to just go along with whatever uh, these dictator governors in certain states are trying to push forward on people. And we're seeing uh, the, the, the middle class being gutted. We're seeing small businesses. I saw a statistic recently that 60% of small businesses are just gone. They, they have not been able to survive it. And so what ends up happening at the end of the day, who survives? The, the big corporations survive. There's, there's no uh, small businesses, uh, freedom-loving Americans that own businesses and have worked their whole lives are seeing that go up in vapor. Meanwhile, the big corporations, you know, the Walmarts and the Amazons, and I'm not going to get into naming all the names, the ones that, that are really actually controlling what's going on in our world and what's going on in our nation, uh, they ju they're just getting richer and richer and more powerful and more powerful and freedoms are being stripped away and, and the, even the ability to, to start a business and build a business and take your, care of your family is being lost. And so it's critically important that we take a stand for freedom and for righteousness while we can because in so many parts of the world, they're really not able to do these things. And shame on us if we'll give those rights and even, I would say, the responsibility that we have to the rest of the world to fight for freedom. If we're going to give that away, then, then shame on us. And so I'm praying uh, that God will continue to raise up a new breed of Christian leaders that will stand for God's word, that will stand for righteousness, that will stand for freedom, and that will get busy spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and trying to reach as many people as we possibly can as the light grows darker and darker. And, and the light is growing darker. And if some people are, are like depressed about that, but I'm really not depressed because I know that when, when the light shines, it becomes dimmer and dimmer, then the light of the gospel shines brighter and brighter. And one thing that I've learned from history and learned even from the contemporary setting is you can't stop God. You will never stop God. They've tried to do it in, in nations around the world throughout history. They've never been able to. I don't care if you are somehow able to close up every Bible-believing church uh, from, from meeting publicly, it doesn't matter. The, the, the truth of God's word still goes forth. God's people still multiply and grow. And in fact, the story of history is that the church grows and multiplies greatest in the midst of the greatest persecution. And so there are great moves of God going on in China and in the Middle East. There are great moves of God going on in places that on the surface, you might look at and be tempted to say, gosh, God's not anywhere around there. And if you listen to the prophets of Baal, if you listen to the prophets of Asherah as they're spewing their rhetoric, 
in the mainstream media, you would think that God is dead, but he is not dead. He's alive and he's active and he's moving in incredible ways in the country of America and around the world. And I'm so thankful to be a part of what God is doing. And so let me get back to this story. Um, so the king, right, the, the, the government, the governing ruler looks upon the lone voice of God and he sees in him a troubler of Israel. Down is up and up is down. And so Elijah is being summoned. He's coming to this showdown with the prophets of Baal and Asherah, with the false prophets, those that are prophesying out of the spirit of this age. Now, I want to tell you a couple things about Baal and Asherah. They were fertility gods. And uh, the worship of Baal involved uh, sexual uh, worship acts, these fertility rituals that they would undergo. And it even involved child sacrifice. So some wicked stuff, some evil stuff. And the same thing with, with Asherah. It, Asherah was an ancient mother goddess, and, and um, she was considered also a goddess of fertility. And, and sexual rituals were part of the worship of both Baal and Asherah. They would be involved in these, uh, these, these ancient fertility sexual rites and rituals. And it's interesting that to me, on the surface, you see that these people who worshipped Baal and Asherah worshipped them because they were fertility gods. Isn't that ironic that part of the process of the ritualistic uh, uh, worship that went on to the fertility gods was sacrificing children, sacrificing human life, little children, sacrificing babies in the name of fertility. So in the name of fertility, we're going to sacrifice the fruit of the womb. But actually what was going on is they, they, weren't, they didn't value life. They weren't bringing their sacrifices and getting involved in this, this uh, sexual ritualistic worship uh, as a means of growing in their human population. They were doing it for their harvest. They were making sacrifices even of human life and in vulgar uh, ritualistic sexual practices that were going on, not to protect their, the life of their people, but just so that they would increase and prosper monetarily, so that they would have a good harvest. This is a, that would come in, and they would be, uh, become richer, and, and they would have materialistic a gain that would come pl take place out of that, but they're involved. So that is that is the prophets that Elijah is coming up against, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, and and uh, another interesting thing is the word Asherah actually means popularity. I thought that that was interesting. It makes sense in in the in the context of uh, fertility god and growing. 
uh, in numbers, but think about that. Uh, think about the, the, the word popularity as it relates to the prophets of Baal today, the, that the, the prince of the air is promulgating through the airwaves. We, we see it's popular opinion. If there's a dissenting voice, if there's someone who, who doesn't go along with the radical left narrative that's being propagated upon us, then it's like everything and everyone comes to bear. It's what it feels like against you. The social media mob starts speaking up, and, and the, the, the talking heads uh, in the mainstream media start um, in trying to dig up what they would call dirt and negative stuff because that's kind of just how it goes right now. If I don't like what you're saying, I'll find some label to place on you. And if I, if I can label you that way, then I don't have to listen to anything that you have to say because all you are is the label that I've put on you. So that's what uh, Elijah was up against. He was up against, uh, according to the human eye, insurmountable odds. And, you know, as the story goes on, this is what Elijah said to the people of Israel. He said to them, how long will you falter between two opinions? And that's a great question for the body of Christ today. It's a great question for Christians today. How long will you falter between two opinions? I mean, I know that there's a steady stream of a radical left narrative that's coming against us, and you have to be very intentional. You have to be very intentional to guard your heart. You have to be very intentional during these times uh, to, to govern and monitor what you take in, what you listen to. It's critical. And you really have to steal yourself away and intentionally tune in to the voice of God and the Word of God. I'm telling you, I've been very selective in terms of who I listen to. I, I, in fact, people spend, uh, send more things to me to listen to than I could possibly listen to. And I, I actually select some of those things, and I, I listen to them, but I'm not, I'm not paying attention to the news. Uh, I, they're all in bed together. And I know when you make sweeping statements, somebody will find 1% out there that isn't in bed, and they'll say, you've made a false statement. Well, I, I guess you can fact check me on that if you want to. But if you understand the spirit of what I'm saying, I'm just saying that it is an overwhelming majority that, that really is in bed together, and their talking points are given to them, and they're really just parrots that are parroting the talking points uh, that because I don't remember the exact percentage now, but I know it's a strong uh, in the 90th percentile. I don't remember if it was 96, 98% of the media is owned by six corporations. And they control the narrative that, that is put out there. And that's the same thing that happens on social media. You have these fact checkers that are worthless, that are, are radicals in and of themselves. And it's gotten to the point that when I get fact-checked on social media, I consider it a compliment because I must be saying something right if they think it's important enough 
to try to fact check it and suppress it. And so that's just part of the, the days that we're living in where up is down and down is up, where good is called evil and, and evil is called good. Uh, you're just, you're dealing with that. And so when I get fact checked, I actually just assume that I'm probably right because I'm not tuned into the false prophets of Baal. I'm doing my best. I'm not perfect at it. And that's all any of us can do. We have to do our best to tune in to the Spirit of God, the voice of God, the Word of God, and the select uh, voices out there that are prophesying and speaking out of that place. So that's what Elijah was up against. Uh, you'll have to kind of read through uh, 1 Kings 18, because like I said, I'm not going to get into all of it, but you know, uh, the story just kind of went on that um, the, the prophets of, of Baal and Asherah went first, and they tried to call down fire from heaven. And Elijah was so resolute and so certain in his God that he actually mocked them as they went about. So here is a lone voice of God, but it's a powerful voice. It's, it comes from the Spirit of God, and it stands up in the midst of a sea of opposition and he is so supremely confident and speaking from the Spirit of God that he is mocking the, the false prophets of Baal as they, they begin to ritual it, ritualistically cutting themselves and doing everything they can do to call down fire from heaven. Nothing happens. Elijah steps up, repairs the altar, gets the, makes sure the wood's all in there, has people pour buckets and buckets of water on the wood, and then... He calls down fire from heaven that consumes not only the sacrifice that was on the altar, consumes the wood, and even consumes and laps up all of the water that was poured upon it. And a great victory was won for the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of this age. And I want you to take encouragement from that. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And there is more for you than you can see. There's more for you than you can imagine. And you'll only begin to live from that reality when you begin to shut off and shut down the false prophets of Baal that are prophesying in their multitudes and, and cranking out this disinformation campaign that we've been experiencing for four years and running now. So, and you just have to tune into the voice of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Well, I have another story from Scripture that I want to share with you. It comes from Judges chapter 7. It's the story of Gideon's 300. It's an amazing story. I love this story because, again, it's a story uh, of a small amount of people facing off against insurmountable odds. And I don't even know what the betting odds would be against Gideon's army if, if uh, Vegas was putting out a line on whether Gideon's army of 300 men would be successful against the, the thousands that they were going to go up against. But again, that's just this world's math. It's not God's math, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into it. So the story goes that Gideon was getting ready to take uh, his men uh, into battle 
uh, against the Midianites, and God spoke to him, and he said, the people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So I would imagine that if you were a battle commander and you were getting ready to take your troops into, the ba- into battle, one of the last things that you would want to hear is you can't take the full forces of your brigade into battle. But that's what God spoke to Gideon. And so this is what the Lord said to Gideon. He said, I want you to begin separating your people. And this is going to be the first criteria of separating or weeding out the people that I don't want to go from the people that I do want to go. He said, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once. So there's your dividing line right there. Whoever is fearful and afraid, send them back. Don't take them into battle. Because now if you make the application for us today, and it was true for it was true at that time as well. If you have to be resolute in your belief, your belief in your God, your belief in his word, your belief in what his spirit is bearing witness to your spirit concerning, you have to be resolute in that. And so God began to cut down the troops on the basis of who was fearful and afraid. Now, if you think about it, most of us, we, we deal with fear at times in our life. It's not a matter of will you be afraid or will you fear? It's a matter of what will you choose at that moment? In the face of opposition, will you double down on who your God is and what his promises are to you in his word, or will you believe your eyes? Because if you'll believe your physical eyes over what God says to you in your spirit, then you're going to be dominated by fear, and you're going to be afraid, and you're going to operate from that place. And I would even dare say that you'll even begin to partner with fear. Everyone experiences fear, It's really just a question of what you do in that moment. In other words, like the question that Elijah asked the children of Israel, how long will you falter in between two opinions? So I always think about this story from Gideon's standpoint, because being a pastor for many years and being in ministry, like one of the things that, that like kills us more than anything. Hey, Mark, it's good to see you, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. It means a lot to me that you would get on and, uh, uh, and, and give a listen to us. God bless you, buddy. Appreciate uh, your activity. Appreciate what you're doing for the Lord. I appreciate your posts. And you know I've shared a lot of them because I love the stuff that, that you come up with. So appreciate you so much. Love you. I can't wait to get back down to Tampa and see you again. So let me. So Gideon, you know, he, he's the commander of the army. And What's happening is people are being stripped away. And, and as a pastor, one of the things that, honestly, it's one of the things that um, pastors allow to tie their hands is their fear of losing people. That's one of the things that, that, that the enemy will use 
to silence your voice. I mean, there's a reason why most pastors won't speak on things that matter. They won't really get into the corruption that's going on. They won't talk about politics and 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 the, anything. They won't talk about abortion. They won't honestly. They won't talk much about sin, at least not in any serious manner, because they don't want to lose people. Because if you lose people, you lose money. And so what we have are pastors and shepherds all around the world that are what? They're living out of fear. So sad to say, and I don't like bashing on anybody. I wouldn't pick anybody out by name. I'm just giving a commentary on where we're at today. Sad to say that most of the pastors uh, in this country and around the world, they wouldn't make the cut for Gideon's army because the first cut was whoever, whoever is fearful and afraid. See, I used to think that you, you couldn't talk about political things because you know, here's another thing, fear, right? You'll lose your nonprofit status. Well, whatever. My God's bigger than that. And, but I, I also got educated a little bit and realized uh, we're allowed to talk about that stuff. We just let the enemy, we listen to the false prophets of Baal, we let the enemy bully us, and we lived out of fear, and, and you know, so that's what we do. Then we shut our churches down, and we, we, we follow along with these mandates, and, and, and we, we, you know, so you, got, you get what I'm saying. So Gideon's army was being whittled down, and I think from, if I'm Gideon, like, that had to be excruciating, because when you're in it at the moment, you don't necessarily realize that God's working, and that he's, he's going to teach you something out of it. All you see with your physical eyes is your loss, and, and fear begins to grow. But um, So I want to take just a moment and talk about, um, well, let me, let, me, let me finish going through here. So God says to Gideon, after they had um, cut down the, the number of troops, and now they were down and only 10,000 remain, and the Lord spoke to Gideon and he said, it's still too many. So he had him take them down to the river and, and get a drink of water. And those that uh, got down on their knees and lapped the water out of the river uh, like dogs were eliminated. And those who uh, lap, lapped the water out with their hand and drank it that way, those were the ones that they kept. And he whittled it down to 300 men that would go into battle. So I want to look at something that, that Finnis Dake said in his Bible, um, uh, based upon these scriptures that we're reading. Uh, he said that there were three predictions that were made to Gideon from verses 9 to 11 in this story in Judges chapter 7. The three predictions were, one, uh, he said, I've delivered the host of the Midians Midianites into your hand. So this is before it happened. Before uh, the troops were all whittled down, God spoke to Gideon and he said, first of all, I've delivered the host of the Midianites into your hand. Second of all, he tells them that you're going to hear what they say. And in verse 11, uh, he tells them and they, they go down and they actually spy and they listen in to what they're saying. So I'm going to I'm going to deliver you. You're going to hear what they say. So you're going to have the opportunity to operate in fear. 
you're going to have the opportunity to choose this day who you'll serve. You're going to have the opportunity to falter between opinions. You're going to, I'm going to deliver them to you. I'm going to deliver you out of their hands. But before I do it, I'm going to let you hear what the enemy is saying. I'm going to let you, I'm going back to Elijah now. I'm going to let you hear what the false prophets of Baal are saying. I'm talking to us now today. I'm going to let you hear what the mainstream media is saying. I'm going to let you hear what Hollywood is saying. I'm going to let you hear what they're saying in academic circles against me. I'm going to let you hear all those things. I'm going to deliver you from them, but I'm going to let you hear what they're saying. And then the third prediction is after this, you're going to be strengthened with boldness to go down to the host. Hallelujah. God is saying, listen, I'm going to let you know, hey, you're going to win. And by the way, you're going to have to endure what the false prophets are prophesying out of the spirit of this age. You're going you're gonna, to uh, go through your battles of doubt and fear, and I'm going to let you settle it. I'm going to make sure that you have the opportunity to choose so that your faith will be strengthened. And then after this, you're going to be strengthened. You're going to come out of this thing more with more boldness than you had when you went into it. This is one of the challenges, especially of like, I don't, I'm going to say Western Christianity, but certainly American Christianity, because like, it's the only thing that I can really speak expertly about is what I live in today. Um, there is such like, like people are so afraid, but, but this is the thing about, about American Christianity is like, we've got this idea that when I accept Jesus Christ as my savior, it's just going to be a bed of roses. Like I'm going to get stronger and more encouraged and it, I'm just going to go onward and upward. And, and the trajectory is just going to continue to be just up and up and up and it's going to get better and I'm going to get stronger and, and, and God's going to take care of me. And we've got this, like, honestly, as I would say like a Hollywood mentality of, of what it really means to be a follower of Christ. In fact, I don't even use the word Christian that often because it's subject to so much interpretation. You can talk to 10 different Christians and get 10 different ideas of what it means to be a Christian. And so I, I actually seldom use the word. I talk about things like being a believer, or I would call myself a Christ follower, uh, or I would call myself a, a, a Bible-believing Christian. Uh, these are the kind of distinctives that I use to, to sort of separate between, honestly, between the false prophets of Baal and what's being put out there. Because I've talked a lot about like media and social media and all those kinds of things, but there are a lot of false prophets in pulpits that are pastoring and leading churches. And so it, it, it's, it's challenging. But one of the biggest challenges that I see in America is just the, the mentality, the mindset that we have that, that says, I'm not going to have to endure hardship. And we set out 
our whole approach in our Christian journey to avoid hardship, to avoid persecution, to be so afraid of the opinion of man that I will govern and dictate my life so that I'm never rejected or never spoken out against. And that's how they control us. Because if you go against these mandates, these unlawful, unconstitutional mandates that are being uh, put out, they, they, every time these things are challenged legally, they fold like that because they don't have a leg to stand on. It's unconstitutional. It's therefore un-American, and it'll never stand up in a court of law. And now that uh, conservatives have uh, a numbers advantage in the Supreme Court, even if it gets um, contested all the way to the Supreme Court, the Constitution currently with the current numbers, will be upheld. And they know that. So they fold and they drop. They drop uh, all those things. All the charges are dropped because the last thing that they want to do is overplay their hand even more. Because precedent, legal precedent, carries a lot of weight in the court system. And the last thing that they would want to see happen is something, uh, even if they win on the lower level and it gets contested, and it makes its way all the way to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is the supreme law of the land and, and it's going to be overturned. And now we have legal precedent to be used in cases down the road and in the future. And so they fold like that. But, it, but it, what happens is these things seldom get challenged because we're afraid. We're, we're, we're afraid of being arrested we're afraid of legal issues, but what they're doing is they're, they're just really allowing social pressure, relationship pressure to, um, to sort of keep you at bay because there's enough of just that. And I, I get it. I know what it's like. I, I, I see people that um, they're being treated differently at work because of the stand that they've taken during the coronavirus situation because they've taken a stand for liberty and freedom and because they've done research and they've realized that um, there's a whole other uh, set of information that's out there that's contrary to what is is being taught and and what's being pushed forward and I, I learned that like research and all that stuff is only as good as the people that are paying for it. Whenever you find studies, what you really need to do is dig in and find out who funded the study. Because I guarantee you, the study is going to come out in favor of whatever the position is of the people that funded the study. Right? So the, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. Hey, Paul, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for all the work that you've put in in the studio to get things up and running. These guys are doing a good job in your absence, and I appreciate everything that you've done for us. There's a lot of people behind the scenes uh, that have done, put a lot of work in to, just to get us to this place where we could launch our new website and, 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 
have our maiden voyage with our live stream. So, uh, I, I, so let me get back to Gideon. Uh, he follows the directions of the Lord. He's given, he's given a great victory in battle. And it's a battle, and, and his eyes are open through this whole process and through the, the victory that he's gained. And he, his boldness, his courage, and his confidence has grown. And God is given all the glory. That's huge. Now, if you've got this sort of American idea about Christianity, that it's supposed to just be smooth sailing and easy and no opposition, then you're going to struggle with the process that Gideon had to go through. See, he went through, I would say, as I read this story, that um, the process that God took Gideon through was equally, if not more important, than the victory that he won. That's what people, a lot of people don't get. There's a process that God allows us to go through to root out fear and to root out doubt and to purify us to, and to bring us to a place where we're more resolute and we're even bold in our convictions from God's word and in our, in our convictions, even in America, uh, of the freedoms that we have, that be, because we, we say in our founding documents that these freedoms come from God and that no man can give them and no man can take them away. And so if you'll allow yourself to participate and go through the process that God is allowing you to go through. He's working in it, and he's working through it to do a great work in your life. Hey, Pastor Peter, love you, buddy. Means a lot to me. Pastor Peter's coming to us from Kenya, Africa, one of my great brothers over there. I'm so thankful for the great work that you're doing in your, in your church, and I'm praying for you, and I'm contending for your healing. And I'm contending with you for a great harvest of souls to come in through your pastoral ministry and your work as an evangelist. Really love you guys. Love all of my, my Kenyan friends. I had the opportunity yesterday to, to minister with a number of them, some, some that I haven't seen for a few years. is really awesome. God is moving in Africa, and we're going to be a part of it. Amen. Love you, buddy. So the process. Will you allow God to move you and work you through the process so that you can come out of it with a greater faith, greater boldness, greater confidence? So, yeah, the, the victory that God brought through the hands of Gideon and his mighty 300 men is a phenomenal story. And... Um, you know, it, it's a phenomenal testimony to the power of God. But I think the most important part in this story is the process that God brought Gideon through. And, and I'm, I'm confident that that 
that changed everything in his life. The scripture says that it brought about a greater boldness within him, a greater belief. And when that happens in your life, now you're in a position to be used by God in greater and greater ways. So, uh, amen, God. Thank you for what you did in that great story. But God, well, he, if you're going to claim the glory, if you're going to take the credit, then um, you're, you're going to end up only being able to accomplish what you can accomplish in your own strength. Because the scripture says that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So Gideon had to humble himself to, to listen to God and to follow his instructions and to go into battle with only 300 men. And God exalted him, gave him great victory. So God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's awesome. So it is, it is paramount that in this story, both, both in the story of Elijah and his showdown against the false prophets of Baal and Asherah, and for Gideon and his, his army being whittled down to, to 300 men and the great victory that God gave them, what we need to remember is that the, the battles that matter, the, the battles in your own life, the battles for your faith, for your boldness, and for your confidence, they matter. And those battles are, are, are going to be won by God if we will allow him to work his process in our life so that when you win a victory in your own life and when you win a victory in your community, and when you win a victory and you see many souls coming into the kingdom, when those things happen, you will know that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Those are words that he spoke through his prophet Zechariah. It's incredibly important that God gets the glory and that you and I recognize that he won the battle. We simply allowed him to work his process through us. So when you're going out there and you're laying hands on the sick and they're recovering, when, when God is bringing forth mighty miracles through your hands, it's incredibly important that you remember that though the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God will raise up a standard against it. So in these days that we're living in, where, where churches and, and communities are being locked down all around the world. And a very clear antichrist, globalist, one world order agenda is trying to be forced upon us. We need to remember that when the enemy comes in like a flood, it is God who will raise up a standard. The Spirit of the Lord, the Scripture says in Isaiah, will raise up a standard against it. When the, the, the prophets, the false prophets of Baal, are prophesying what they're prophesying through the airwaves, through the internet, through, through the mainstream media, through pulpits that have false prophets in them, through social media, when the false prophets of Baal seem like they're growing in masses and numbers and they're prophesying the death 
that they're prophesying and destruction and, and the, the, the loss of freedoms and liberty. We need to remember that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Hallelujah. So God allowed Gideon's army to be sifted down to 300. God is doing a sifting in the body of Christ today. And it's painful and it's hard. I'll be the first to tell you that that God, I have been sifted in 2020. Uh, not that I've arrived. I'm confident that there's more sifting to take place, more purifying in my heart, in my life, and ultimately in the ministry that God does through me. Now, I'm not one of those guys that says, uh, God brings sickness on you, and God is challenging you. What I say, as in the, the story of Gideon's 300, is God will allow us to go through a sifting. Jesus spoke to Peter, and he told him that Satan was going to sift him. Satan did the sifting. God worked through the sifting to bring about his greater purposes in Peter's life. So God is allowing a sifting. There's a separating. There's a purifying that's taking place in the body of Christ. Some people say he's separating the wheat and the tares. I don't get into that personally because that happens in the end, and we're not there yet. We're getting closer. But in the end of the judgment, God will separate the wheat from the tares. So I don't think this is the great separating of the wheat and the tares as some people are talking about. But God is clearly allowing a sifting to take place in us, in you and in me, to purify our faith, to separate us from fear and doubt and unbelief. Uh, he, he's, he's separating the false prophets of Baal from the true spirit of God, from the voice that comes forth from God's spirit. He's, he's doing a great separating. And, and there are more false prophets out there than there are true prophets of God. But that doesn't tell the, story, the whole story. Because if you just do the math, um, if, if the Bible says that um, is it two can put a thousand to flight? Um, let me see what I'm going to, I'm going to read. I want to see what Finnis Dakes said about this in his scripture, uh, because there were uh, 32,000 men that were in Gideon's army in the beginning. And God did uh, a great sifting down to 300, right? And, and this God promises that a hundred would be able to put 10,000, no, what's he say? 300 men fight such a multitude, and it'll be known. So I'm just going to read what Finnis Dake says. No man will ever know what the 31,700 men thought of such seemingly foolish action, retaining only 300 men to fight such a multitude. Neither will it be known what the 300 thought 
or who were left to fight alone. So it would be interesting. I talked about it from the, the perspective of, of Gideon, but I wonder what the 300 thought that were left to fight alone. God had made a promise that 100 would be able to put 10,000 to flight. And there's a reference to one chasing 1,000 and two men, there it is, putting 10,000 to flight. Glad it, glad it confirmed that for me. So on the basis, on this basis, Gideon's 300 could have defeated 1,500,000 warriors. They could have defeated anywhere from 300,000 to 1,500,000 warriors. But God whittled it down so that he would be the only one that got the glory and so that everyone that was present and dare I say everyone that can hear this story today will have their faith strengthened and their boldness kicked in even more. I want to share one more passage of scripture with you from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. There's a story. I'm going to read that story to you um, from starting in verse 13 through verse 19. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. I am going to read this one. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love this passage of scripture. I love it for a lot of different reasons. But I'm just going to start with a question for you. What is this rock that Jesus refers to when he says to Peter uh, that you're Peter and on this rock, first of all, I'll build my church on this rock. And second of all, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is this rock that God will build his church on and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against? I want to suggest to you today that this rock is revelation from the Spirit of God. What happened when Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? Some of them gave answers about who they heard different people saying that Jesus was. But then suddenly, in an instant, you could see that the Spirit of God quickened something inside of Peter when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, hey, you're blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Human wisdom didn't reveal this to you. History books couldn't reveal this for us. No human wisdom or understanding can reveal it. He's telling him, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. So we're talking about divine revelation. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, that he reveals truth to us. So the Spirit of God dropped revelation into Peter and revealed to him that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That, that divine revelation is what Jesus said he would build his church upon. The Catholics think that, that Peter himself was what God would build his church upon. And they say that Peter is the first of the, the popes. But we don't believe that at all. And that's, not, that's, that's taking a very elementary, very literal, very um, human interpretation of Scripture to arrive at that. That does not take into account divine revelation, that the Spirit of God dropped revelation into Peter, and Peter spoke from that place. It's the same place that Peter spoke from on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and people were gathering around. And, and um, Peter said, listen, these guys aren't drunk as you suppose, according to your human eyesight, right? But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That's divine revelation that God dropped into Peter. When he got up and he spoke boldly that great Pentecostal sermon that he delivered. The rock that God will build his church on is divine revelation revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Now I would suggest to you today that there's a shortage of that. I would suggest to you today that the, those who, who prophesy and speak from that divine revelation from the Spirit of God are in the minority like Elijah against the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. They're in the minority today like Gideon's army of 300 going up against thousands. They're in the minority today as the false prophets of Baal are speaking out through the airwaves, through, through the mainstream media, through social media, through compromised pulpits, right? Those who, who prophesy and speak and preach and operate from divine revelation that the Spirit of God quickens within our spirit are in a tremendous minority according to human eyesight, but they're not in a minority according to God because if God is for us, no one can truly be against us and succeed. So God spoke to Peter and he said, upon the rock of divine revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't care what the false prophets of Baal say. I don't care what the social media says. I don't care what the mainstream media says. 
God's word is true. We will be successful. And this is one of the reasons uh, that, that I believe that President Trump will have a second term in office. Because I hear what the spirit of this age is saying against it. I remember back in 2015 when, when Donald Trump declared uh, himself a candidate uh, to run for president. I was like most people. I thought, oh, this, is, this is a show. This is, um, you know, it's whatever. That's not going to happen. I didn't take him seriously. But I'm tell you what won me over. It wasn't anything he said. What won me over, and I've shared this with a lot of people, um, it, it's not a scientific way of uh, arriving at who you're going to uh, support as a, as a candidate for president, but I began to listen to the false prophets of Baal. I began to listen to what uh, people in Hollywood were saying, and I knew they were nuts, and I knew they had a very anti-Christ agenda, and they came out heavy against him. And I listened to what the mainstream media was saying, and I knew they were in the tank, and I knew they were manipulated, and they were just talking heads for, for what higher powers in this world want them to say. And they came out so hard against him, right? And, and I, listened, uh, I, I listened to uh, globalist leaders in the European Union and in other places around the world. I listened to what... Um, Big Tech was saying, and they were coming out against him, and I knew they were in the tank in it for an antichrist agenda. And um, I listened. Uh, what was the other one I listened to? Oh, I remember because there were there were people like you know at the time the president of of, of Mexico. Um, so I was listening to what globalist leaders that are under um, that whether they know it or not under the spirit of an of, of antichrist. I listened to the false prophets of Baal coming out in, in academia. I knew academia was in the tank. I knew that uh, they were in the far-left, radical, liberal tank. I, I knew that Hollywood was. I knew the media was. I knew the educational system was. Um, and, and, I, and I knew who these globalists were around the world that want us to fall into a one-world order. And they all came out in droves against President Trump. And I said to myself, wow, I, I think the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Because I thought, you know, if, if the media is against him and education system is against him, academia is against him, Hollywood's against him, it, everyone's coming out. The globalist leaders around the world, you know, the, the George Soros's and the Gates and, and um, the, you know, the Rockefeller money and, and all these people, they're putting all their resources against him. I'm going to have to really pay attention. This might be my guy. And this is before I heard anybody in Christian circles saying anything. Uh, I just began to listen to everybody that was coming hard against him. And they were all people that I'm against, not people, but, but like institutions and what is being stood for. And, and I said, gosh, if they're against him, I need to actually pay attention. Then I began to listen to him, and I began to see what his positions were concerning Israel and concerning life and concerning China and concerning um, uh, American jobs and, and all those things. 
And as I, I didn't get caught up in his rhetoric. I didn't get caught up in the way he talks because, you know, one of the things that I really liked about him is he knew the media was against him. And from day one, he never tried to win them over. He never tried to play nice. He was never going to get them in his camp. And so he just said what he believed and he stood by it. And um, so I just began to really like pay attention to the positions that he was taking and where he was governing from and, and what he was trying to do. And um, that really influenced that for me. And what was cool about that is in 2016, when he won the election, that was very much a, an Elijah versus the false prophets of Baal moment. That was very much a Gideon's 300 against the thousands of Midianites that they would go up against. Um, when, when he won the presidency, there was no way to explain it. It was miraculous. And I know, like, a whole bunch of people, you know, that hear me say that are getting discouraged. I'm not saying he's perfect, uh, but I also would say that we, we, we didn't elect a Sunday school teacher. We didn't elect a choir boy. We elected a wrecking ball to come in and drain that swamp and challenge this two-party monopoly that we're stuck with right now. I'm not in love with the Republicans any more than the Democrats. They're two sides of the same coin. It's a two-headed snake. They're in bed together with very limited exception. But there's one guy in Washington that's not in bed with them, and, and he, didn't need, uh, he didn't need corrupt money that could buy him in order for him to get into office. And he makes decisions based on what's, what's best for the people not what he's not in Washington to get rich. He's already rich. All these other people go into Washington and they leave multimillionaires because they're corrupted. And it's, it's, it's a mess. And that swamp needs to be drained. But listen, my whole point of saying that is that in 2016, when he won, uh, you, you could only come to the conclusion that God wanted him to be in office because Every resource in this world was against him. He was not the one that the globalist leaders had handpicked to be the president in the United States. And what a lot of people don't realize is, is a free America is the last remaining firewall against full-on communistic one-world government. And so uh, we've been given a temporary reprieve during the presidency of President Trump, freedoms have been restored, and um, we have to take advantage of it. We've got to make progress. We've got to reach as many people for Jesus as we possibly can in that time. So let me, let me get back here to, to Matthew 16. Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the thing that I want you to know about the word church. He says, uh, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That word church in, in the Greek is ekklesia, and it, it's actually a legislative word. It's a governmental word. It's really not talking about a building, a church building, or a congregation. It literally means the called out ones of God. It's, it's a governmental legislative word for God's governing people on earth. You see, I believe 
This is one. Okay, I'm I'm heading off again. I got so frustrated when these mandates were coming out from governors uh, around the country, and they were defining what was an essential business and what was a non-essential business. And some of them had deemed that churches were not essential. And it blew my mind. It's like, there could be nothing more essential on this earth than the body of Christ that the Spirit of God is working through. I'm not non-essential. I'm a part of Gideon's 300. I'm a part of God's essential army. But I understand why uh, people might think that the church is not essential because so much of the body of Christ isn't doing anything essential. They're not healing the sick, casting out demons. You're not seeing miracles happen. They're not bringing souls into the kingdom. They're, They're not operating as God's governing people on the earth. We are here to occupy until Jesus returns. And so, so when, when he says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he's talking about a group of people that will bind things on earth, and when we do it, they'll be bound in heaven. That will loose things on earth, and when we do it, they'll be loosed in heaven. He's talking about a group of people that are going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and legislate and govern righteously here on earth. He wasn't taught, when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he wasn't talking about some um, powerless, weak congregation of believers. He wasn't talking about these churches that are being led by false prophets of Baal. He was talking about his church, the body of Christ, who possessed the keys of the kingdom of heaven, who can speak words and bind demonic forces and speak words and loose divine forces on the earth. Hallelujah. That is the spirit of Elijah. That's the spirit of Gideon's 300. That's the spirit that that Jesus was talking about when he said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I personally believe that President Trump will be our president for a second term. And one of the, here I go again with my very non-scientific reasoning. One of the reasons I think that is because I listen to what the false prophets of Baal are prophesying against that. And I believe that he is God's man for this time to govern this nation because as America goes, so goes the world. And a free, prosperous, independent America is crucial to a free, prosperous world. And one day when that freedom falls and and when the light gets dimmer and dimmer, we're going to see just how important that freedom was. We're the last place where that freedom exists. And so I implore all my brothers and sisters in Christ, I implore every pastor that might be listening, don't cave, don't get, take a stand, be willing even to go to jail. Because there are, there are um, lawyers all across this country that are willing to support people that get challenged in this way. They're waiting. They want to get in the fight 
but they're having a hard time finding a cause because so many people are just going along with it. And so um, I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage the body of Christ to, to, to operate to allow God to do that process within you that will bring about the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Gideon's 300, and the spirit in which Peter spoke from when he said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, with, uh, to which Jesus said, you're Peter, and upon this rock, upon the words that you spoke, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm personally encouraged. Um, because I know that, that God is working a, the same purifying work that he's working, uh, that he desires to do in our individual lives so that we will, our faith will grow and will be more bold. He's doing that work uh, in the body of Christ. And he's doing that work even in our nation, the people of our nation. And so it's going to get harder. It's going to become more challenging as more corruption is exposed and, and you're going to be tempted to become discouraged. But I always remind people, listen, the corruption that's being exposed, all, it, it was already there. The only difference now is that we're aware of it. The only difference now is that we know about it. We've been praying for four years that this kind of corruption would be exposed. And so it's going to continue to be exposed. I think this thing is playing out in such a way. Uh, um, I, I think it is best for us not to have um, President Trump be named the president right now, but for the process to be played out so that more people can be exposed and, and the case can become so clear that even people that hate President Trump will have to acknowledge that this was an invalid election. And we have to have integrity in our elections or we no longer have a free republic that we enjoy today. I want to, um, last thing I want to share with you is this image that God spoke to me about. Um, I had, I had just done a bunch of yard work, had, had manicured the lawn, done all the edging and the weed trimming. And, and, and then what happened? So things were in good shape. I thought it was going to be the last time that I would actually mow the yard, uh, before winter really came in force. And so I had it all done. And then just a couple of days later, we had wind come through here that was, was pretty ferocious. And what that wind did is it took a bunch of leaves from other people's yards and it lifted them up and it dumped them in my backyard because I have a fence around it. It dumped all kinds of leaves and trash and debris into my yard. And, you know, I was a little frustrated because I just got done doing that. And I thought, oh, my yard's going to look good, you know, through the winter, you know, as good as it can look. Um, but I remembered God just started to speak to me about the condition of our na nation through the condition of my yard and my neighborhood. And I, I had the opportunity to uh, participate in this school of the prophetic lifestyle that uh, a mentor of mine, Dr. Sandy Burkett, led and just a great woman of God and a great prophet of God. And um, one of the things that she required us to do when we were in this, this school is she uh, required us to prophesy out of weather patterns and events in nature. 
And, and it was a little challenging, but she stretched us a lot, and those who allowed her to stretch us uh, really benefited from it. So I remember, and I, I did that exercise, and, and, and I grew in that way, and, and um, I was really thankful for it. And so, and one of the really cool things about allowing yourself to be stretched by, you know, authentic prophetic people like that is then what then happens down the road is when God begins to speak to you out of, out of a weather event or out of nature, you won't just um, brush it off, but you'll actually pause long enough to hear what he has to say to you, because you understand that this, this is, is God legitimately speaking to you. And so thankful for that event, uh, uh, that opportunity that it had to grow in that way. So I'm outside and I'm looking at all the, the leaves and the trash and the debris in my yard. And God began to speak to me uh, and prophesy to me out of those events. And I was able, because of what I had learned and grown through, I was able to recognize that is God's voice, and I just listened to him, and he began to speak to me about, um, so my, my yard sort of represents individual Christian lives, uh, individual Christian households, and even uh, individual churches, and what we do, what we have done is there's been so much wickedness. Hey, my friend Fayeda came on. Love you, buddy. Fayeda Luca my Congolese friend. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for chiming in. So awesome that you'd be listening, listening to. We love you guys. It was awesome to minister with you uh, yesterday and the day before. You guys are awesome out there. Um, so God is speaking to me about um, our individual lives and households and churches, and there's so much evil and so much corruption and so much wickedness and iniquity taking place in our land and and it gets overwhelming and and people are tended to just kind of stick their head in the sand and ignore the what's the big picture of what's going on around us and i've seen that happen as more corruption is exposed and it's just like more bad news and as that's going people are like shutting down and 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 it's just like too much to to take in and and so what people have done is they've just focused on their little slice of the pie, their little home. Well, I'll just um, keep my, ho- my house neat and clean, and I'll manicure my yard, and my yard will look good, and I'll just focus on what I can control, even though the leaves and the debris is everywhere around me in my community and in my nation. And, and God began to speak to me about that. He, he said that that. Christians and, and churches and, and, and households are just focusing on their world. What affects me? How am I doing? And, and ignoring the, the, the birth pains of the return of the Lord that are going on around us. Ignoring the signs of the beginning of sorrows that are taking place. Just ignoring the birth pains, the, the, the convulsions that are taking place in the earth as a result of sin and iniquity running its course. And we've got our heads down and we're just manicuring our lawn and we're just keeping our home tidy when all this stuff is going on around us. And then suddenly God blows his wind and God, he, when, when storms happen, things are revealed. Uh, you know, shingles that are loose on the house, you know, they get torn off and all kinds of things happen like that. You know, when you see a big hurricane uh, 
come on land and what it does. You know, it, it just things are moved around and shifted around and, and it reveals things that you couldn't see before. And so God was speaking to me about the condition of our nation and the condition of our world. And he was saying that I'm blowing up these leaves and this debris and I'm dropping it into your well-manicured yards and your lawns and into your household so that you have to see it. You can no longer stick your head down and ignore it. You can no longer just go about your nice, tidy little Christian life. But I'm blowing this stuff up and I'm bringing it right before your eyes so that you can't deny it and you can't look away. You can manicure your lawn and you can clean it all up, but my winds are going to blow because I, I am desiring to mobilize my church to be that church that possesses the keys of the kingdom of heaven, to be that church that will bind things and loose things, will speak life and bind the forces of wickedness that will pray and intercede, that will hang in there with me. And through the process that, that your faith will be built, that your boldness and your confidence will increase. And I will have one more person that could be named in Gideon's army of 300 that could be activated and mobilized to, to see the kingdom of God come and be manifest here on earth as it is in heaven. So I just wanted to share that word with you. I want you to be encouraged. God is not silent. He is not ignoring. He is active and he is working in the midst of this stuff. And he's desiring to do, see a lot of people, they're just like, they're only just focused on who's going to be the president. God is thinking about so much more than who's going to be the president, including all the way down to you and your life and, and what you can do for the kingdom of God. God is desiring to, to see things sifted out of us, to see us purified and to see us activated and mobilized to bring, a, bring in a great harvest of souls while the time lasts. Hallelujah. Thanks for letting me share that with you. I really only shared that, I think, with one other person. But God just kind of dropped that into me yesterday to share with you guys today. So again, I want to just remind you guys how you can, you can follow us on YouTube at Revival Now, Dan Steep. Uh, we really appreciate it if you would subscribe and like our YouTube channel. Follow us at, at, again at an Instagram at Revival Now Dan Steep and on Facebook at Revival Now Dan Steep. So like us and follow us on Facebook. Like us and subscribe to our, our channel on YouTube. You can follow what's going on in our ministry on Instagram. Um, God is, is going to use us. He is working and moving through us to reach a thousand souls before Jesus returns. Oh, I said a, mil a thousand. Thanks, guys. They helped me out. Not a thousand, a million, right? That, that's a, that's a Elijah against the prophets of Baal kind of number. That's a Gideon's army against the thousands kind of number. I don't know how it's going to happen in and of myself. I can't do it, but that's what God challenged me to believe him for and to ask him for, and so I'm going to chase it with everything that I have within me. Um, listen, I, I really wanted to challenge and encourage the body of Christ, but if you've tuned in and you're listening to this, this live stream and uh, you're not currently 
living in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you would not classify yourself as a Christian or as a Christ follower. I want you to know, know there's nothing more important than you can do. Uh, I want you not only to, to be a follower of Christ, but I want you to be a part of Gideon's army. I want you to, to, to operate your life in the spirit of Elijah. I want you to live a, a life that prospers in Christ Jesus. God loves you. And, and he, uh, he's not willing, the scripture says, that any would be lost. And I assure you that he is moving and he's working even through the circumstances of your life to bring you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in your life. Just like I was talking to uh, people who are followers of Christ earlier, and, and I was encouraging them that, that even in the, the challenge that we're experiencing in our lives, God is working in it and through it for our good. He's working through even, even the bad decisions that we make, and maybe the bad decisions you made in your own life. He's working through that for your good. He loves you. He's not mad. He loves you, and he wants you to be saved. I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven one day. But even more than that, I want you to be able to link arms together with me that we can turn this world upside down for Jesus. And so, um, listen, you may be watching and, and uh, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to do that today. Uh, I, I'm passionate about you uh, receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and this new journey that God has for you. Maybe you're listening today and, and you once, you, maybe you were raised in church or you once walked with, with God, but things happened in your life. It could have been a traumatic event. Something turned your life upside down. It could be a job loss, a loss of a loved one, uh, a sickness or a disease. These things happen. They, they knocked you off your game, and, and, and you find yourself feeling in a distant place from God. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. In fact, the devil would want to whisper in your ear and convince you that whatever you've done, you've wandered too far from God, and he can't reach you. But that is not true. God loves you. You have not committed a sin so great that God cannot reach out and save you and deliver you from that. And so I, I, I want to pray with you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I tell people all the time, it's as simple as in, in the English alphabet, A, B, C. You simply admit that you've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You believe that Jesus can save you. The Bible says as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So you admit that you've sinned, believe that Jesus can save you, and confess him as your Lord. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. So I want, I want to pray a prayer with you real quickly right now. You pray this prayer out loud after me. And when you prayed that prayer, when you say amen, you will be saved. You will be born again. So repeat this prayer with me. 
Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness to you. I ask you to forgive me. Please come into my heart and make me a new person. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You did it. If you prayed that prayer, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. You and I, you're my new brother or sister in Christ, and I want to welcome you to the family. I want to make sure everybody also knows that you can find us on our website at revivalnow.com. Revival Now is the heart cry of our ministry. We believe that we must have revival and we must have it now. Go to our if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your savior today, please go to our website at revivalnow.com and there's a button that you can click that says I just got saved and we've got some resources that we want to impart into your life. There's some videos there you can watch and so forth. There's a place for you to um, Give us your information. I, we want to know who you are. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to resource you for your journey. And I promise you that uh, we won't use that information to solicit money or anything like that. We just want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. And we want to do that in a fitting style. Uh, I just want to share one more verse with you. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I have three questions for you if you prayed that prayer. Did you call on the name of the Lord? Because if you prayed that prayer, you called on the name of the Lord. So question number two, does God lie? The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. So my third question is, are you saved? Remember, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you called on the name of the Lord and God doesn't lie, then by the authority of God's word, I tell you today that you are saved. God has removed your sins, the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west. Whenever you figure out how far that is, I want you to let me know. Amen. Well, listen, everyone, we appreciate you getting on with us, and I just want to give people an opportunity to partner with us, uh, partner with us in prayer. Uh, in partnering with us financially also. Uh, we, we're very committed to reaching a million souls for Jesus Christ, and we have opportunities that God is opening up for us here uh, in America and ac around the world. And, and these people that are coming to Christ, they need Bibles, uh, they need discipleship material, um, they need our support, and we're committed to doing, to not just preaching the gospel, but to meeting those needs uh, any way that God gives us the opportunity to do that. So let me just share with some ways uh, that you can partner with us. Uh, you can certainly go to our website at revivalnow.com, and you can uh, just uh, revival.com revival revivalnow.com forward slash invest now, or you can just go to the website and, and click that, that button. Um, you can give on your mobile phone also. You can text RNGIVE to 77977. That's RNGIVE 
to 77977. You can find us on Cash App. Search for dollar sign RN Give. That's dollar sign RN Give. You can also find us on PayPal. On PayPal, search for dollar or at RN Give. At RN Give. So those are some ways uh, that, that you can give to us. Uh, guys, do we have our, our, uh, an address for... Okay. You can also, if you just want to do it the old way and, and, and send a check, you can send that to... Make that check payable to Revival Now. And uh, you can send that check to... Drumroll, 220 Buckeye Street, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. It can't, couldn't be a better street than Buckeye to have to send it to in the Buckeye state of Ohio. So that's 220 Buckeye Street, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to all my friends. I've been trying to look over and, and monitor who's checked in and, and uh, made some comments to us. Thanks so much for getting on with us. Um, we'll be back here next Thursday at the same time doing, doing our live stream. We want you to know that we love you. We're praying for you. We're praying for America, and we're praying for our world, and we're excited about living out the Great Commission in these last days that God has given us. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. Love you.